0: You're listening to The Only Constant, where we explore how minor change brings lasting hope. On this episode of the podcast, we spoke with Zachary Aaron Croft. Zach made it clear early on in this conversation that an essential aspect of who he is as an individual comes from his capacity to create. It doesn't matter the avenue that this creation comes from. Zach has dipped his toe in mechanical engineering, stage set construction, improv, and even acting. At one point, He was a member of the agricultural department at walt disney world in which he could still pinpoint beautiful acts of creation as the flowers around the park were meticulously placed and designed each with its own unique purpose something to take away from today's episode is that creation is everywhere you yourself are a creation and you continue to create with every passing moment through memories words thoughts or something less abstract, like handiwork around the house, or a painting. Zach reminds us to see the world as active participants. His training as a mechanical engineer allows him the capacity to always be looking at how things work, and create potential solutions to make them work even better. There's always a creation to discover. So stay open, stay active, and keep listening. Hello everybody, it's episode 13. The only concept. It's a very special episode because, well, 13's an unlucky number, but mm. today's not going to be unlucky because we have a special guest, my roommate, and a friend of both of us, Zach. <laughs> Zachary. Aaron Croft, why don't you tell us who what you are? <laughs> I know, yeah, that was great. Tell us who you are <laughs> and preferred pronouns and a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I just want to uh, mention we, we talked about this before. Thirteen in Judaism is a lucky number. It is a lucky
0: number, and so Zach th-
1: and I are both of of that. I'm sure that will come descent. up Wait, many times.
2: Yeah. Oh, I, didn't, I totally forgot or didn't you, know. You'll it all. hear
1: so much about it. I swear. <laughs> you get the two of us in the room, we'll start talking about. Anyway, hi, I'm Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the wine, by the um, way. Yes, uh, I brought in wine. Also um, a Jewish tradition. Also a Jewish tradition. If you guys want to know uh, what wine I, I brought in. What are we drinking? Um, the two of you guys are, are drinking uh, Luscious. Uh, Pinot Noir from California. Mm. Um, uh, what year was, what's the uh, What's the vintage date? Um, a Wow. Aged from twenty eighteen. That's actually pretty good, man. Yeah, maybe that I pretty touched good. that with my tongue. <laughs> About three years. Um, mine is also Pinot Noir from California, but it is called Prophecy, um, and you guys will realize that uh, I I have a prophecy and I'm sort of fulfilling it by doing this podcast. That was uh, 20, 2019.
0: Is that going to make you turn into an oracle? A uh, maybe.
1: Wow. That would be really cool. That'd be wild. <laughs> I wish I was Greek so I could talk to you.
2: <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, what are your preferred pronouns?
1: Um, my preferred uh, pronouns are he, him. Um, yeah. Um, and you're an alum, correct? I am not an alum. You are not an alum. No, I have not graduated yet. Okay, we're still going. Um, and ooh, I'm not taking classes right now. Mm. Um, but um, that is for another day.
3: <laughs> okay. Well, what are you
1: pursuing? What are you interested in? So um, I was pursuing, uh, for, for the last five years, um, that was a, sorry, that's a musical. Uh, for the last five <laughs> years, um, I was pursuing um, a mechanical engineering degree. Um, hmm. Yeah, which, uh, if you know me, it's very weird. Uh, I grew up in theater, uh, and when I went into uh, college, I was like, I'm going to get a BFA, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get an arts degree. Um, And then I was like, oh, wait, I'm kind of good at math. Um, Mm. Let's try this. Mm -hmm. Five years later, I'm like, why did I do that? So you (laughs) want to know something super interesting (laughs) is
0: everybody who's come on – not everybody. A lot of people who have come on here who have done theater have had a story where it's either like they knew they wanted to do theater from from an early age and they just stuck to it. Or they – tried theater out you know a few times and then in caught co- when college came around they were like you know what i'm deciding i'm going to do this yeah you are yeah. the complete opposite where you grew up in <laughs> theater it was the thing you did and then you decided not
1: to
3: mm-hmm. i tell people be-
1: yeah I, yeah i tell people this story all the time um because normally you have like people who are like doing like some science and they're like no i want to express myself i'm gonna go into theater um, I was like, uh, my parents raised me in the arts. They are like, you be as creative as possible. If you come home with an A, you're doing it wrong. Right? Uh, and I, and I, <laughs> I said, I'm not going to have that mom. I'm not going to have that dad. I'm going to go and actually get like a degree that makes money. Um, <laughs> wow. and I got shunned for a while, but they, they came around. <laughs> are you serious? So this is, this isn't all complete sarcasm. Your parents really wanted you. So it funny enough. Um, I mean obviously they were very happy they're very supportive parents yeah um but i do remember having uh, many talks with my dad and he's like are you sure you don't want to do theater because theater would be really you're really good at it uh and i'm like i think i'm gonna do engineering he's like i mean that's that's great and you're gonna make a lot of money but also you can express yourself (laughs) (laughs) i've never heard the opposite i've only yeah i mean
2: i've only heard the opposite i guess like people's parents saying why do you want to do theater why wouldn't you want to do a job that like you said makes money and everything so it's so they just they've always been super supportive of that
1: well so i mean they're again they're they're very supportive they they would support me in anything i'm doing but yeah i mean so both of them actually uh went to florida state and got uh theater degree the first bfa program here at florida state Um, What really? Yeah, yeah, very cool. Both your parents were alum from the first BFA class. Yeah, when FSU. um, Yeah, Fallon started and created it. Yeah. Wow. Oh, holy! So it was my destiny.
3: (laughs) For real. And then you just decided. Yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, it was the prophecy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, like uh, at a very young age, like I was put into you know, arts classes, theater classes. I, I, I remember. Yeah, um, I'm from Orlando. I remember going to uh, a lot of the small theaters there, and like doing summer camp or like maybe being help on a show or whatnot. And mm-hmm. um, especially when you know I got into you know my middle school and uh, high school, um, I really got involved with like school. Um, but even I mean even in uh, elementary school, I was I was doing arts and crafts. I was doing all that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it it it's a very like. I kind of didn't see this coming. Um, I mean, if you look at my, I was I was always good at math. Uh, I was always into like engineering, and um, I was a Lego builder. I was oh, know, I love Legos. Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, like I, I know there's a lot of people who can't sit down and do Lego set, but whew, even you can, then, you just people enjoy just building stuff anyway. Like even if you're not gonna follow one of the
0: books, yeah. it's fun to just play with some Legos.
1: Well, <laughs> I, so I, there is so something such human. Uh, with creating. Just like creating anything. Whether yeah. whether it's a Lego set or uh, cooking or whatnot. I mean like most people need that creation. You gotta um, use your hands. I'm it. under the impression that humans created the concept of creation. I like that idea. <laughs> I mean like I think there there are like other species. Uh, oh, you see this uh, like fish where they do things where it's not specifically to live or die or eat or breathe it is just to pass the time it's like elephants they like to get drunk yeah exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. and like <laughs> i
2: didn't
0: know that <laughs> yeah it's fun no. you, you apes, too. apes too i knew that the, i know animals sometimes eat fermented fruit and accidentally get drunk but like they'll elephants go out, out of their way and just be is. like they're we're like, like, that's gonna go get that's tonight. Is. they're going to the bar <laughs> yeah. well <and> elephants <laughs> bar are very bar. smart
1: <laughs> they're really good at remembering things and, yeah um but yeah no I mean you you do see this in in, uh, a lot of different animals uh, and I I think uh, humans have definitely capitalized on it I mean we have the ability to sit around and do nothing and still carry on our gene Mm -hmm. where you know other animals don't they Mm -hmm.
0: have to survive
1: they have to survive right they still have Mm -hmm. to fend for themselves like they'll they'll take the time out to pleasure you know um, Mm -hmm. for pleasure but um, most of the time it's like we need to make sure we're getting food in the shelter. Mm -hmm. They're like, eat, you know, sleep, make babies. Mm -hmm. Right. That's like the thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Well, I'm thinking of, right now, I'm
2: thinking of uh, some, oh, I forget where it is exactly in Africa, Um, but it was the original, like, bonobos came from the same species of ape. I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's silverback gorilla. I don't know. I know that it's an aggressive species of ape. Let's put it that way. Over time, these two, they're from the same species. Bonobos and chimpanzees are... uh, Chimpanzees, is that what I'm thinking of? Bonobos
0: and chimpanzees are basically the same. Yeah, But they're separated by a river.
2: Yes, and that specific... I didn't know that. Yes, so on one side of the river is bonobos. The other side of the river, there is chimpanzees. On the chimpanzee side, things are a lot more aggressive. There is, there is, like, competitors and everything. So people are fighting one another and blah, blah. People, apes are fighting one another, everything like that. On the other side, bonobos, everything is super peaceful. And they're lovemaking most of the time. Like, the, that's the one, not the one, but one of the most unique ape cultures where sex isn't just, a matter of procreation, it's a matter of pleasure. Like, they do it specifically for pleasing themselves, which I thought it was interesting you're bringing this up, like, in the animal kingdom, because basically, it's shown that if animals don't have to compete with others or themselves for food and resources, and there's an ample uh, amount of resources for everyone in their group,
1: then all of a sudden, the violence stops, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. I mean, you you can look at, like, certain... um, Animal, uh, I would say tribes. I mean, uh, congregations uh, of animals, and um, you know, there are certain animals that are lone pack. But uh, how how those work? I mean, you s- monkeys. I mean, are are one of the coolest because they're very similar, and we can relate to them very well. But like, mm-hmm. you, you go to like certain cities uh, where monkeys run the city, right? And they have mm-hmm. quadrants, right? And, like in India, right? Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. In in that part of the world, they have they have cities where you know, like the the monkeys have this quadrant right and so that that monkey family if you cross over the street you're going to get attacked are you serious but if you stay on your side everything's fine really oh yeah so they're territorial just like we are oh yeah oh you uh, <laughs> i found out actually the other day uh some something uh an animal that's also territorial are uh, owls owls will have like their own block and those are the only owls there hmm. um it's really? one family of owls, and they will be the predators of that area. I mean, their owls don't have predators, really.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, like you, you have an aggressive bird. Whether Other than the,
2: larger birds of prey, right?
1: Not, not really. I mean, really? like um, I mean, the smaller owls they have they have the bigger birds of prey, but like okay. the um, most, like the uh, they're like the gray owl. I forget what they're called. I know what you're talking. Like
2: the classic ones. Yeah,
1: the classic. Yeah. One. Like they uh, are very aggressive, um, and they will fight another bird. Like they will fight a hawk, right? Damn. Yeah. And and so like they they control like this part of you know wherever they're at. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it <laughs> it's wow. crazy because it's it's literally like our house is like in in one of one of their quadrants and yeah. stuff like that. Well, this is a little bit kind of
0: a segue with this topic, but we've had people on who are STEM majors, and yeah, we had someone on who was talked about kind of how technology and science. Uh, well, I don't know if they said, uh, maybe I brought Which up the idea, but references? Lucas, Lucas. Uh, okay. But basically, there. Were, I think we were kind of talking about how science is oftentimes, I would say. Looked at as almost this way to like maybe separate us from nature. Technology sometimes can be seen as like separating us. Oh, oh, and, and as an engineering major, do you find and I don't know? I mean, well, one how, example that Lucas brought up was that if like an alien species came and they saw Earth, yeah, they would
2: look at the human creations that we have, our buildings and everything, and even though we separate that from nature, they would look at the Earth and say, Oh, no, that's nature because we are a species of this Earth right see the, yeah so that was the example well, he brought and, up so and even then
0: do you do you see uh nature influencing
1: engineering like like i don't know oh, yeah for, like for at, sure how, how I, there's so. a whole there's a whole uh idea uh, ideology uh when it comes to engineering and design um where you pull things from nature i mean you think about um uh the strongest structure um, that one can have um, is a hexagon. And we pull that straight from the bees, right? right. Be, they are the ones who really have capitalized on the hex, hexagonal shape. You could pack the most. It's the strongest. Um, and, I mean, all throughout um, engineering and really everyday creation, you I think it is very important that you look to nature because nature's been around much longer than we have. Well, hell, you look at this box you brought for the, yeah. it's like a clamshell, like, like
0: essentially, right. yeah, you know <laughs> I mean, and it's like, oh, there's the treasure inside. I mean, that's really pushing it. But what I mean is like the design of it is.
1: Yeah. I mean, like you could, you could break down a lot of things to, uh, you know, w- what is the, its purpose and how do we find this in nature? I mean, clamshell is perfect because we want to protect what's inside. Right. And what is a clam and protects what's inside the, um the you know the pearl
2: the pearl right
1: well the pearl is the pressure that it, it but the actual animal animal inside a uh oh yeah right you know like it protects the the, the gushy part yeah. mm. um and you know we want to these are cookie uh cookies from insomnia cooking not a sponsor um <laughs> definitely not <laughs> definitely not a sponsor but also go out and get yourself some insomnia cookies yeah um you wanna protect those cookies. Um, and so like, I, I mean, I'm sure, um, you know, the box has sort of been adapted from other other things, but um, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as like a, as a clam because you wanna protect the outside, it's a rigid or the inside and the rigid outside uh, is great for that.
0: Now, hmm. a question I have then is, and I don't know if you would know the answer to this, but I guess it's just more of something to think about. Like, do you think people designed because you know, I work at a, I work at the restaurant, and we have literal boxes on the on the uh, on the packaging that it comes in that says clamshell boxes. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, they they must have designed this having this design came from somebody saying, oh, the clamshell is a really good design. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I mean is like, do you think that some of the designs we've made, like like a shelving unit, yeah, like does that emulate something in nature or is it not? Or you know what I mean? Like, are, are these things innate designs yeah. that are just from us? Or you know what I'm trying to say here?
1: All science, all experiments, um, all all designs, anything that has to do with science and physics, all derive from observation. Right. So we have to observe it to understand it.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: We, as our brains aren't big enough And uh, are complex enough to just create something. Create something that no one's ever seen. You take a you take an observation, and you work with it. Right when when you when you find a problem, you say, "What have I seen that has worked for something similar?" Right. Mm, Right. Um, All science and all design and all engineering is is problem solving. Well, Um, it's funny because that even plays into just like writing. Which
0: I do exactly. It's like, you know, if I'm going to make an idea, well, I mean, you know, it's the whole idea of like, is anything original anymore? Or has anything ever been original? You know what Mm. I mean? Like, uh, you know, so like, if I'm writing a story, there's a million bajillion influences that are coming into it. Mm -hmm. And also, I would go as far to say, you know, your observations of everyday life, just nature in general go into your writing i know you know not the same degree as engineering i'm not like creating a structure but what i
1: mean is in order to describe the world accurately i also have
0: to have some sort of
1: yeah i mean uh, different degrees i mean like i wouldn't say what engineers are doing is i mean totally different from what you're doing because it is it's observation and you are explaining something in a way that people can relate to right Writing, I think. I mean, I'm not a writer. I suck at writing. I suck at reading. But from the little I know, um, I mean, it, it, it's all about being able to relate to the reader, you right. know. And it, Can you describe this in a ex- way that someone can can visualize? Create it? an experience. Yeah.
2: yeah. Yeah. So you initially brought up mechanical engineering as a, like, as if it was something that you were just like, oh, you know, I'm pretty good at math. I can try this out. But yeah. As we're asking you questions about mechanical engineering, you know, you're getting active with your hands and you're like, this and this, this is what we do. Nothing is, like, you can't take anything in science unless it's derived, everything in science is derived from
1: observation, right? Right. So what did you observe that got you into mechanical engineering? What does this drive, you know? Um, well, I mean, like I said, I, I was very into, like, building and, and I, in, in theater, um, I did a lot of set building. Okay. Uh, I did a lot of creation, not just um, acting wise, but also creating physically wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that really drove um, how I perceive the world. I mean, if you if you go down to like when I was young, um, when I was in you know kindergarten, like I was placed in like uh, specific um, like uh, groups within my kindergarten. Uh, because I was a very mathematical and visual learner. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not a big reader. I, reading and and doing all that was very hard for me. But when I when you you know those um, little beads that they give you, it's like one bead and then it's a line of beads and yeah, it's like yeah, a few yeah, of beads. Um, you know, I, I grasped that because I I saw things in a physical way. And if you if you want to take it uh, all the way to to acting, I mean that. Uh, because I have a background in acting, that is how I act. You know, I—I I mean, I have my 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 own you know, mentality. What I what I do for for acting, but um, it is a, it is a visual um, part for me. Uh, hmm. I, I, we were talking, uh, I think, like last week, but I'll, I'll bring it up uh, about like how I get into like a character, and I, one of the things that was like really important to me um when i when i acted you know all the time one thing that was really important to me was putting on the costume because now i physically feel like the character yeah. right and now i could start okay now i am the character and i can start thinking like the character
3: mm-hmm.
1: um i mean all of that to answer your question all of that you know being able to uh you know that is the way i perceive hmm. um you know, sort of the. I was really big into physics in high school, and that's sort of what drove me into the decision of mechanical engineering. So, can you not help but deconstruct things when you look at them now? Like, it doesn't even have to be in a physical sense. I, to a fault, at times <laughs> because like I'll, I'll be sitting there, uh, and I'm I'm really bad about like going over to my friend's house and saying like, "Hey, your door's broken. Do you want me to fix it?" <laughs> <laughs> um just because because you know i've i've diagnosed adhd so like i'm hyper focused on things especially because like uh if something especially if it doesn't work well um or it doesn't work um i want to make it work you okay. know? um when i first moved into uh this house ted can tell you um i had a, a a waffle iron that i got from an old roommate and it didn't work and i was like well, it, it yeah, it didn't work, and I wanted to clean it up, and I wanted it to work. And so I took apart the whole thing. Nice. Uh, I took apart the, the whole thing, and I tried to figure out, okay, how does this work? How do I clean this? How can I put this into use? I got it for free. I was like, whatever. I can take it apart. If it if I put it together it doesn't work, I can throw it out. Um, but, yeah, I I love doing that. Just, to, in that story, uh, I put it together and it still didn't work, and I threw it out. But, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you were still driven to like deconstruct and figure out how it worked and everything. So then, how could, could you sure. take that and apply it to more of a metaphysical sense? It's like how, because you're talking about how these things. Um, affected you in both you know your life and your career, but also your acting and how it's like, you know, Jessica West put another teacher of ours, um, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you're familiar with. You had to have I known her at least, did know. I her. never met her. Never. never met her anything. okay, uh-huh. well, she said we act or yeah, we act from our feet up. So that example that you put putting on the costume, that's how I feel when I put on a character's shoes or something. Yeah. Like when I'm rehearsing in heeled shoes versus tennis shoes or something like that. It completely changes the physicality, everything. Anyway, how can you take what you learned about mechanical engineering and being able to look at something, this drive to, to take a waffle iron and pull it apart and see how it works and let's say it doesn't work out, but yeah. either way you tried. How can you apply that in, in a a psychological sense when you're talking to people? You know? Yeah. Or like even in your own life, you know, have you
1: deconstructed yourself? Uh, this is turning into a therapy session. <laughs> therapy session, I, I like it. Um, it's interesting you say that because, um, you know, I I've struggled in the past with socializing with people. Um, you know, I'm I'm a charismatic person. I'm a confident person. I can I can talk to a lot of people, but. You know, behind behind the the facade, it's oh, oh my god, what are they saying? What are they thinking? What, you know, like mm-hmm. what what's going on? And so, yeah, yeah. to ease my pain and you know my worry, I do very similar to that. Like I break down everything. Like okay, you know, what are we talking about? How am I presenting myself? How am I uh, adding to this this conversation in a way that is beneficial to me and them? Okay. Um, and so, like, social, socially, like, it. Back to you know the observation of science. It, it is all about: Am I reading them properly? Right.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: You get to know someone so you can understand their their um, quirks, their physicality. You know, when you when you first meet someone, you you you're testing it. All it, all it is is a test, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, how does this person work, all right? Okay, you laugh when when things are, you know, this way. You don't really, you, you don't get when I say it this way, so let me try it a different way. Okay. Oh, I'm picking up where I'm responding to a certain thing that you're doing. You know, it, it's, it's okay. all that. And, okay. Um, and uh, because uh, I'm a worried person. Uh, about what people think I think about that all the time so not just it's not just like your stream of consciousness and you're waiting to
2: speak you're always it's almost like you're being strategic about what you say when you say it oh
1: yeah based on the person yeah Yeah, I mean I I mean I try to as much as possible think before I speak um, which (laughs) what a concept what a concept what a concept (laughs) Um, I mean it does get me into trouble a lot because uh, I sometimes I feel like I'm taking too long or like i'm not getting in what i need to um but um yeah i mean i think i think it's important i i I mean i don't know how other people work i'm not a psychology major so i haven't really studied this but um but i i I, it, it is still science i mean you're observing you're you're waiting for the pause right you know, like you might be thinking, oh, I know exactly what to add to this conversation, but I need to get to a point where <laughs> yeah. he stops talking and now I can add. You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. It's weird because, especially being the position that we're in, we got to set up.
1: Being the position that we're in,
2: being. Posts, you know, whatever, yeah, you know, and it, but it's like we have to keep the conversation flowing while still staying. Another thing Lucas brought up: the eternal present, right? It's like yeah. it's the only thing we really understand, and we create our memories, and therefore we reference the past. We don't even know what the future is, but. Realistically there is no past or future. It's just what's happening right now. So the fact that we can mem- remember what happened before, it's your it's your body right now remembering what
1: what happened before. Yes. Yeah. And then
2: by doing that, I'm not actually in this conversation. So it's funny you bring that up because we're literally having to sit here and be actively engaged while yeah. also having to like strategically be like how can yeah. we segue this into the next topic of
0: conversation. Well, it's made
2: conversation <laughs> actually
0: better because you know, every time I am talking to someone now I I honestly doing the podcast has has helped but also just listening to other podcasts helps too because I'll be on a drive and I'm like I really need to listen how many times have you listened to a podcast and then like 10 minutes pass and you're like shit I wasn't even listening to what they were oh, saying the right now many times but yeah. I've like really on all my drives home I've just really like locked in and now I'm not perfect I still sometimes I don't care what somebody's saying or like <laughs> right. or I'm just not listening but you know, uh, it's made when I'm ha- trying to actively have a conversation, I can really like and you can also I can really lock in, and then you can also pick up on when people are not listening to you. Like, oh, yeah. I know <laughs> yeah. when they're not listening to me. Yeah, then. I know. And it's yeah, fu- yeah, I was yeah. thinking about what you were saying, and like, because when you said, like, when you first meet someone, the way me and you met was through comedy and stuff. And I used to think about all the time, I mean, not necessarily how I was presenting myself, but. I'm always very interested in, like, group dynamics. Always been interested in group dynamics. So when I was part of the comedy community, I was always, like, something I've always been obsessed with, which is kind of, like, I guess not a great thing sometimes, is, like, what's my archetype here? What's the archetype in this group? How do I fit into this group? And it wasn't me being, like, what do people think of me? It was more me being, like, how do I fit in here? And so (laughs) it's, like, interesting... um, because I see I know exactly what you're saying you are someone who's always been like when you're having a conversation you know Zach knows what he's talking about or Zach is going to do his best to be like I can contr- I know something about I can try to find something about this this thing that we know and I, I've I always, do really quick yeah. I
1: want to go on the record that if you ask the people uh, like my family my girlfriend they're going to say most of it's bullshit um, <laughs> but I do try to I do try to um, well yeah I picked up on that no i I'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, but I
0: mean it's still, yeah, fun to think about stuff. And so going back to what you were saying about conversations mm-hmm. and and listening and uh, I don't really know what point I was trying well, to no, make. Well, no, it's actually kind of it's great
2: that you did that because in my mind I strategically made a segue. Uh, into comedy because you mentioned that you're in it. We haven't talked about it yet. This
1: is uh, the hosts of a podcast. Uh, They're professionals here. Yes, we are. We save each other. I have. They look really good. Right? So cheap, but it really made the difference. They don't look cheap. They look professional and really good. They weren't
0: cheap. We got a good rate.
1: No, That's yeah. a better way to pull it. There you go.
2: There, there you, go. you go. It was so reasonable they understood that we were in college, and the person who took them is also in college. So, Who,
1: who is the one who uh, took it? Amanda Lee. Amanda Lee. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, they're not cheap. <laughs> very she excited. has a good rate. She has a good rate. Yeah. Yeah. She really does. Um, and also uh, all you all you uh all you kids out there that are graduating soon, uh, go to her for uh for graduation photos. Mm-hmm. Uh, Headshots, anything you want. Yeah. Free plug for me. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> for mentally. Not a sponsor. But yeah, how
2: <laughs> you yeah, seriously no, but how did you get into comedy because it seems yeah. like you've been juggling theater and then you went into mechanical engineering but
1: you obviously didn't just give theater up no and, and it's funny I mean like I never did comedy until I got to college like it was after I've sort of gave up um, I, I mean you're right I didn't give up theater but like I, when I decided to focus on something else like it wasn't until that time that I decided to go into comedy hmm. um, I had done comedic parts before but never like comedy um, it was actually my uh, my third year um, I was going to say junior year but it, that doesn't apply uh, <laughs> it was my third it was going into my third year and I was um, I was dating a girl uh, and I was like really bored and she was like really good at school and she's like you need to leave me alone sometime so I could study and I, I was like well I just want to like perform and stuff and she's like have you checked this improv Group out. I'm like, no. <laughs> I guess I'll check it out. <laughs> um, and and yeah, I, I showed up. It was it was during the summer. Um, it was it was a really cool time because it was not in like the heat of things. It was people just relaxing, having fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I got to meet some really cool people. Um, and I just fell in love with the you know the party aspect of it. You know, like the the it getting, the social accent. community. It yeah. was like,
0: yeah, it was like a whole, almost like entering a little tribe.
1: It, it really was. I mean, like, as, I think college is very much like that, where, like, you find the different, you know, niche groups. And it, it is very tribal. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because
0: then we would intermingle with the other tribes sometimes. Right. Sometimes we'd go into the theater territory and see what they're eating and drinking and,
1: and, and then we <laughs> always run back to our tribe and talk shit about the other yeah, tribes exactly.
2: <laughs> yeah I, I, exactly was it ever get an annoying being in comedy and everyone seems like they're trying to be
1: funny or does that not really happen um, I think it <laughs> happens a lot I think it happens a lot I, I, it, it, there is a very big pressure to be funny um, especially when you're just hanging out and you're like uh oh
0: something that we've talked about Zach is like I'm someone who I like comedy a lot and i I enjoy doing it because it's like a way for me to relax and have fun. But something that always ir- I don't mind and I don't mind cracking jokes with people, but something that always irked me and we've talked about it is like sometimes the bit would never end <laughs> and you could never yeah. you could never have a serious conversation with or some people we used comedy as this way to put up a wall. Yeah. And like not talk about serious things. It was it was frustrating for me because I mean, hell, I started a podcast where we literally <laughs> talk about yeah. serious things, but I yeah. like I like learning about people. So when people yeah. deflect it with, with comedy, it, it did sometimes give me this like not a bad taste in my mouth, but just kind of like a all right, can we like, you know, not be funny right yeah. now? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think talking about this tribe um aspect and and, you know, Especially people in comedy. We all have our insecurities and yeah. uh, and a lot of times there's social insecurities and so like when you when you get put in this social uh setting and comedy is I think a very um you know, combative thing. Everyone wants to be the, the funniest. funniest. So I think there is this sort of pressure and when you get uncomfortable you're like, Oh, I need to be funny so people don't realise I'm uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, well and it's you know that's another thing
0: I've thought about a lot with with, and look, we're not gonna go. Me and you have plenty of opinions
1: about yeah. the comedy community. We're not gonna get into th- I, those hardcore. But I do want to say, with all of uh, the annoying things that come with oh. comedy, <laughs> it, it is one of the oh coolest God. and f- most fun communities to be. A oh part yeah, of. for
0: sure. And I, I'm not trying to hint that like we're angry or upset about it it was like it is and was i suppose because now i'm out of college it was one of the most rewarding experiences ever just just in in not even i mean just in terms of meeting the people that was you know you think about college when you're in high school or when you're a kid well those were my college days like i partied with those people those were the people you are one of the people, you know what I mean? So it's That's like, a, yeah. Yeah. so, um, but what I was going to say is, you know, uh, <laughs> I don't remember what I was going to say. Just thinking, Oh yeah, um, no, no. You're saying everybody wanted to be the funniest. Yeah. And something that I always had hoped for was playing on people's strengths, being like, Oh, this person has this sense of humor yeah, and I don't have to one up them I can just be I can have my sense of humor too. and for appreciating sure. people for their own sense of humor rather than it being I sometimes I felt like there was this sort of like comedy and maybe this was just something that I made up in my own head.'m I'm, I'm sure not everybody felt this way, but there was this like standard of comedy. like this type of comedy was superior oh, and yeah. very funny. yeah,
1: and I don't know if you felt that way. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I mean I, I know uh, one thing to go sort of talk about what we were we were saying about like social how I construct social um, relationships uh, one thing that I was really into doing uh, into I, what I did um, was sort of mimic people's style of comedy right? right so if someone liked doing a certain style of comedy I'm, I'm gonna try my hardest to hit that style of comedy so uh, I can be personal with them and and um, they can feel more comfortable I mean right. um, because I I'm one of those people that like, if you're not feeling, if you're not feeling comfortable, I'm going to feel uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. So I want to make sure you're comfortable and then I'll start to feel comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard to manage that at a big
0: party with. You know a bunch of people yeah
2: <laughs> hey what's your name
3: yeah
1: <laughs> zach what like, okay what's up dude yeah hey man yeah. Yeah. good to see you dude one, one thing that i uh w- always relied on was not being able to hear someone i'm like <laughs> cool that's great <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's your way out man yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> it really, it really <laughs> i don't I know gotta, if he's here yeah. you know <laughs>
0: He had to smile and laugh and be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to go over there now. See you no.
1: later, dude. It's like, uh, oh, Paul, right? Man. Oh, no, Eric. Okay, cool. Yeah. No, <laughs> That's
0: definitely
2: happened to me. <laughs> I don't know if I've told this story before. I just, I realized, like, my transition, because we used to be we used to be presidents of the improv club together in high school, right? So yeah. I know it definitely got to my head for a little bit. Um, <laughs> but there was a while there where it was like, I was, like, teaching, I was literally teaching other kids. We were children. Other children to be funny, right? And yeah. then that, you know, some things happened that didn't work out so well, <laughs> whatever, you know, let's say time goes on, I'm back in college, I decided to do an improv show for the first time in a while with White Mouse Productions. Yeah. I don't know if I've told this story before or not. You told,
0: my, told it to me probably. No, I on had,
2: to you. I don't know about the podcast. have heard it. Hopefully so. I don't sound like a broken record, but for <laughs> Zach, um,
0: <laughs> I did this
2: improv show for White Mouse Productions and... Not a sponsor? I Not. <laughs> so many people who aren't sponsors. Um, but like just going and doing the show and it was during the winter and everything so I had like my jeans on, I had a long sleeve shirt. I was like kind of feeling myself. I was like, I kind of look good. Right? Yeah. It was at the augusta Conradi Theater. I don't know if you're familiar. But uh, of course. Yeah. Uh, we all love the augusta Conradi Theater. Dude. It was so hot on that stage. Really? I was, first of all, I mean, I was nervous. I hadn't done it in a, I haven't done it, I hadn't do it up until that point for yeah three full years, I think, something like that, two full years, I don't know. It is not like riding a bike whatsoever. It is not like no. that. I went on stage and I, I mean, it's not like I was like, not, like the least funny person on the stage but it was not like i was president of anything beforehand i had i was so lost i was like how are you yeah. like atticus taylor jerry sola perfect examples right there they were able to bring bits in from the beginning of the show to the end of the show right bring it full circle the whole audience is dying but again going back to that specific type of comedy I just wasn't. For some reason, I transitioned to the straight man. I don't know what happened from high school to college, but now I'm not the you're one. You are a
1: theater major. You're I guess a so major. because and now you're, you're I'm setting to up. Feel it.
2: I'm setting up the. Com- I am. I'm it's like I'm acting right now. Right. I'm setting up the comedian for the joke. I guess because I'm not the one making saying the punchline anymore. You know, it's like it was a really weird transition.
1: Yeah. So I think, um, and I stand by this fullheartedly. Uh, comedy is so much harder to do than drama yeah. and that's because you have all the time in the world to feel emotions right mm-hmm. I mean you're doing a film set you're doing uh, a theater piece you you can take that time you know you can take the pause and really change the mood mm-hmm. but in comedy you have to hit those beats yeah. you have to hit those beats because if you start to you know go this way and then you stop people are like oh wait What happened?
2: We'd like to take a second to shout out our monthly patrons. Thank you to Aaron Bachman and Marissa Arnone for their continuous support of the podcast. Everything we do on this show couldn't be possible without listeners like you. Consider joining us on Patreon, where for just a dollar a month, you can support the podcast and help us even more in the conversation about active hope. Thank you so much for listening. Now back
1: to the episode. Mm. Right? Mm. Where you know who I've
2: seen do that though?
1: What's that? Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle. He'll
2: he has these because I know what you're talking about. I feel like Joe Rogan and Bill Burr, they're very yeah. like upbeat comedic timing. Like there's it's pretty good pace throughout the show. I remember with Dave Chappelle, at least the last special I watched, he has these. It's very dynamic. It's like, <laughs> but let's get serious about this racism it's yeah. not cool
0: right and then all of the it's really he plays with people's emotions it's very interesting i'm sorry to interrupt but i would you, say that's no, even yeah. that's even part of comedy i think it is because Yeah. because i would much rather well, i don't actually really like joe rogan's comedy because i think all he i think he's just kind of like very intense tells stories and then yells about something yeah but you know
1: i uh, think he he comes from more of like an actual part like he's not r- specifically writing right. jokes right He's, like, telling stories, like Right, exactly.
0: I think the most interesting comics, like, even Bill Burr, who is just a regular guy, he's got writing experience. I really like watching him. It's funny because ever since doing comedy in college, I've started to... The way I watch comedians now is sometimes I'm not necessarily laughing out loud, but I'm really watching them to be like, how are they building this joke right now? How are they, like, setting this up? And Bill Burr is like really good at it he's very good at just like re- he builds things some of his yeah. jokes take you know 10 minutes to get to the peak and it's like way worth it because he makes you think he's just telling a story but it's like every everything is a part of the the act so dave to Chappell, get that, that punchline. you yeah. know one of the tenants of is that the right word tenants no, that's not the right word tenants yes. yeah. Yeah.
3: I was thinking of tenants as in
0: someone who lives in an apartment building.
3: It's also a really um, good movie. Check it out. It is Not a sponsor. Movie.
0: Um, but that's <laughs> number four
1: now, everybody.
0: <laughs> but, you know, yeah, one of the tenets of comedy is the, doing the unexpected. So I think Dave Chappelle building it up and then being like, ha, 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 never mind, is, like, kind of funny. Okay. No, I, that's what I'm saying. But also serious. I but laugh. Like part of
2: the but you were saying before, I guess, with comedy, yeah. unlike – unlike drama it's all about the
1: timing it is it is and i I do want to say to to this point um i went uh this past weekend i was in atlanta and i saw john mulaney's new special that's right uh, Mm. live which was really cool and i don't i don't want to spoil anything for someone you know who Who wants to watch who wants to watch it but you know um a good amount of his set was about uh his his recent rehab you know, yeah. he, he was uh, struggling with drug addiction, and he went into rehab. Uh, John but, Mulaney? Yeah, this past winter. Yeah, and he went through a divorce, and he, you Oh, know, my God. He, it was a very hard time for him. And um, like Dave Chappelle, he sort of used this very dark thing in someone's life to not just, you know, talk about, like, the seriousness of it, but also make light of it because— because that is where a lot of comedy thrives, is in the, the, the dark. Hmm. Well, have you found yourself touching into any of the darkness to make yourself or your comedy improve? Or? So I wouldn't consider myself a comedian. As much of comedy I've done okay. in the last three years, uh, I, I am not good enough to, to be a comedian. I'm an I'm I am like an actor that I I'll do dramatic pieces because I I really like doing that I I feel that. Mm -hmm. Well, Uh, I noticed and I don't
0: mean to interrupt you, but I'm just saying as a side note, I noticed when you did improv, you had silly characters, but you were always the one who was the most committed to a character. And also like you oftentimes came in with maybe you kind of sometimes it would get dramatic in a funny way
1: yeah so one thing in improv that you know a lot i mean most improv is comedy but improv is more than just comedy yeah um and a lot of times when it when you're talking about a group and um building up comedy the straight man right the straight man the other the other parts that are not just the punchline are very important you know uh (laughs) you know i was coming in with uh more of more realistic right I, I need to make tr- like everything work in my head it needs to make sense of what I'm saying and why I'm saying it it's the it's the actor in me right it's mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. I'm going to go out on stage and I'm going to think about what I'm saying I know the lines but I'm going to think about what I'm going to say Yeah. I approached improv in a very similar way like I'm going to go out and uh, I mean I don't know the lines but I know sort of the feeling that yeah. that my character has yeah and- me too me too yeah I'm not going to say something that is unlike my character. Um, mm-hmm. where, you know, I might not be getting the punchlines, I might not getting the the you know, big hahas. Mm-hmm. Um but it does it does set up for other people to have that.
3: And
0: it's also more interesting to watch an improv set. Again, one of my uh, I guess deconstructing comedy the way like the way that I've watched stand-ups has changed, the way I watch improv has changed a lot too. Because I have a much more fun time seeing improv artists kind of maybe dig themselves into a hole and see how they can get out of it or have, you know, someone who maybe there is a moment that gets really serious for a second. And I'm like, Whoa, that was really, that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get back into the humor and it's great, but you know what I mean? Like I enjoy, Mm -hmm. I almost, it's one of the things that, you know, no bears, the improv group on at FSU that was something that they talked about a lot, which mm-hmm. was like you don't always need to be funny,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. and I think that that's lost in a lot of in a lot of comedy yeah. um, you know when when comedy thrives in darkness and real realness, right right you know you, things won't be funny if you're expecting everything to be silly. What's funny is when you someone is being real and then does something silly, right. <laughs> mm-hmm. Because because what you do is, and to go back to, you know, this Dave Chappelle and these, uh, you know, other stand-up comedians, they create this rhythm, right? And they want to hit you in the face when you're not expecting it. So I'm going to talk like this, and I'm going to tell you a story that you can follow, and then I'm going to slap you in the face with the joke. And right. that's, hmm. that's what it gets audiences. Okay.
2: Okay. <laughs> so, so how do you... Now that we I guess we've because we've been covered, we've covered like mechanical engineering and we've covered some theater, we've covered some comedy now. Mm-hmm. but now it seems like you're in this period of life mm-hmm. where at the moment you're not specifically taking any classes or anything, but you're still in pursuit of your degree, yes?
1: no no <laughs> so
2: what is what position are you in right now? What is the future looking like?
1: so um I am not going to finish my engineering degree um okay for lots of reasons um i think the biggest one was um the people and i don't want to talk down on engineers but it i I didn't click with them wasn't your tribe it wasn't my tribe okay um i am a creative i grew up with creatives i know how to work with creatives um and the most i got out of working with non-creatives um, was was n- not what I wanted, mm-hmm. um, and w- one of the reasons why I came into create into engineering was to create and design, and that I I realized very late um, that that's not what most engineering is. Okay, um, most engineering is studying a bolt on a spaceship, and they're like. How much pressure can we put on the, the – how much torque can we put on this mm-hmm. before it pops off and blows the spaceship up, right? Well, um, which is crazy, but not what you want to do. <laughs> not what I want to do. I think I think that would be fun to do. It's not what I want to do as a living. Because that's not necessarily creative. There's creative aspects on it, but not the creative aspects I want. It sounds like – okay what you want to do and I I think the reason
0: I'm saying this is because we watched that series together but it sounds like you kind of want to do something along the lines of Imagineering
1: yeah so like um, Disney or at least in that realm of things in the realm of things so uh, this is the point where I I bring up the fact that I grew up in Orlando my mom worked for Disney for 30 years oh okay Um, are you going to try to do this I don't want to work for Disney okay Okay. Um, definitely not a sponsor i don't want to i don't (laughs) want (laughs) to number five we we asked them multiple times and they're like what podcast right um we said dude his mom works for disney his mom worked for disney (laughs) what
2: podcast (laughs) (laughs) um i like disney
1: disney's great disney's done a lot of good things i've done a lot of bad things too but we won't talk about that um i don't really want to work for disney because I grew up in Disney, I worked for Disney as <clears throat> as a, a gardener. I pulled weeds. It's fun, um, really. We should talk about that next. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, we can we can get in that next. But um, I work for Disney, and I think Disney is a really good company to work for. Um, not in the recent years <clears throat> uh, when they laid a lot of people off, but um, you know, it is a as it a it is a company where you can start at the lowest level and work your way up, which is really cool, and I think that's always great. Uh, especially for a company like that, where it is it is all about creation. I mean, it, it's creating a magical place. So my friend John is doing right now. He uh, yeah, he got the
2: job to work uh, food services and yeah, um, Galaxy's Edge. And, oh, that's so fun. Yeah, and he now he's. He was like opening team for that, like when the park first opened. And since then he's gotten, and now he's like training people and stuff like that. So it's to prove your point, that he is working his way up and he's only shown, he shows up to work with a smile on his face and he shows that he's dedicated, you know? And then apparently that's all they really need
1: or want. That's all they want, that's all they want. I I think um, what's really cool about, especially working in the parks, I didn't work in the park, I worked around the parks, but inside the parks, it's really fun because you wear a costume uh, so you you don't get a uniform everything is a costume even me i got a costume right and so you you put it on and you become what was your person. costume
3: huh
1: my costume <laughs> uh was khakis <laughs> <laughs> uh, and they said your character is a gardener now pick weeds <laughs> really yeah, wow. um not i mean they did well they, no, they but. did it in a magical way but you, <laughs> <what happened? laughs>
0: wait how did they make this magical
1: and we're like, the roots connect to the earth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I, we can we can sort of segue Walt planted that.
2: that himself. <laughs> <laughs> As you get it out he of you know, the like,
1: <laughs> when you pull this out, you're pulling out the hearts of Disney. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I. So I always, whenever I tell people I worked for Disney and I say I picked weeds, and they're like, oh, okay, that's I. Okay, and I'm like, but they're magical weeds, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I mean. I think it was really, I learned a very valuable lesson um, with that because I was I was 17, right? I was, I was minor, I was like, I just wanna work, I wanna get paid, you know, I'm not doing anything this summer. Um, and what I learned from that job was everything is critiqued. Everything is critiqued um, when it comes to something as large as Disney. Hmm. Something where every single step that a, a, a guest makes needs to be magical, because as soon as they are taken out of the magic, that's when they go back into reality, and yeah. that's not what Disney's about. Disney is to take you out of that. And
2: then they start thinking about the money they spent.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So where where I worked was the Disney Animal. Disney Animal Kingdom region, so that involved Disney Animal Kingdom um, uh, uh, studios. I was about to say MGM; they're not MGM anymore. The studios, the Dis- Hollywood studios, mm-hmm. um, and then all the resorts in that area. I, I also uh, covered the two water parks: Typhoon Lagoon and Blizzard Beach. Um, and you only pulled weeds. So when I first got the job, I was like, oh, I'll be a gardener, I'll be planting pet flowers and stuff like that. And like they, they did the interview and they're like, oh, can you carry mulch? Can you do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we got into orientation for the job and they're like, this is poison ivy. You might encounter this. This is what a weed is. This is how you pull it out. All right, now go. Um, okay. And so we, we drove around in, in teams. Uh, I drove around in the, the Animal Kingdom team uh, and we just went to different spots that hadn't been cleaned in a while. And we, we would clean the area. You so know.
0: was it inside the park? You weren't inside the park doing this?
1: So it was all the regions outside. Inside the park, they would have a specific team uh, inside the parks. Those are uh, people that had been there for a little while. They, those weren't minors. Um, okay. Those weren't 17-year-olds. You know, they, Those were people who had probably a little bit of more experience going into it. Uh, and I do want to say a lot of that work, um, was outsourced, um, mm. not, not inside the park, but everything outside, like, you know, all the, all the strips of just grass, you know, where it was maintained by a lawn crew yeah. business outside of Disney. It wasn't yeah. Disney employees. Okay. Um, but when it came to like, um, going to a resort and like they they, you know, they have different flower beds, different, um, uh, what do they call it? Um, Oh, I forgot what they call it, but it was like sort of like a the, the showroom, right? And so, okay. Uh, because every every display is is a different area, and so we would just park right there and we'd walk through and we'd pick up uh, a display, a flower display, you know. Hmm. Um. So it's so interesting. Is even at those resorts, everything was planned
0: out. Oh yeah. To the T.
1: Oh yeah. Hmm. I mean, like, we we would get calls to like go to this area and. You know, it's it's a Mickey Mouse, you know, shaped in flowers, right? When you see that, you want to see a crisp thing, right? Right. Yeah. You don't want to go to Except resort start sticking out, right? Not cover exactly. one eye and then be like, oh, I. Oh, see- that's Mickey Mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You want to go and see? That's a perfect Mickey Mouse. Yeah. You know, one. You don't. A guest doesn't want to come to a resort and see weeds. I mean, yeah. it, as as human and as real as that is. Not at Disney. Disney's not about being human and real. Right. It's about being magical. It's about right. taking yourself out of the real world. It's literally about escaping. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's how, wow, and they've made a whole lot of money doing that. They made a lot of money doing that. <laughs> it's just interesting to hear, like, weed, like, you know, we've seen it in some of the documentaries they've released, and they've released a lot about people who, I think I saw this one the other day that there's, they're do, there's a little series called, like, Day in the Life, and it's just, like, a little five-minute things, and they follow one person who works for Disney, whether it's at ESPN or at Lucasfilm or in the parks, and there was one guy whose whole job was just checking the light fixtures in uh, the Avatar world at Animal Kingdom. Like, his whole thing was just going to the light fixtures and making sure that they were working. Whoa! And he was like, I love my job, because it's so beautiful here at night. Like, he's walking around the park when nobody's there and, like, seeing the world, which is really cool. Oh, that's so cool. But... Yeah, you know, there it's is, interesting to hear someone's perspective,
1: you know. Yeah. I, I do yeah. want to say there is there is this thrill that you get for creating happiness. I mean, yeah. that and that's what Disney pushes on their employees. I mean, like, in, in a good way. I mean, like, they, they say you are creating memories. You're creating people that are going to come here and make memories.
0: Hmm. Um, I had a friend that worked for Busch Gardens, yeah. and... Uh, he would say the same thing. He worked for how he did *Halloween Scream*, so he helped design some of the haunted houses. And you know, one of his jobs was to paint uh, like like heads. They had, you know it was like creepy, so they had little foam heads or something. I don't know what it was, but he was. They were like, just do whatever you want. Just make these scary. And he was like, "Oh, okay." And then his heads were in the in the haunted house, just yeah. like for people to be scared. Looking at, and he was like, That was a really cool feeling because, and then it, yeah, and then it trickled down to the smaller things where he was like, You know, I hung up this
1: light fixture and it
0: looked really cool. And mm.
1: when, you, when you have millions of people going through your parks every year, the small things matter, yeah, yeah, because you a million eyes is two million or a million people is two million eyes, right? Mm. And that means every last inch is going to be viewed. Right. So mm-hmm. you your little tick mark in the corner of a room that you don't mm-hmm. think anyone's gonna see, someone's gonna pick up. And be like, wow,
2: that was really cool. That's why I think they did a phenomenal job doing that in Galaxy's Edge. Oh, well, Galaxy's so Edge, is so there cool. is just it just doesn't stop. And then I've spent well, collect because my friend John got yeah. you know, me in there for free. You've been there a John. lot. I've only been there a couple. I've once. been there three times. Now. Been there twice. And each time it's not like I'm going in and. At first, we'll we'll take you. I want to go, man. <laughs> well, I wanna when, go. when we went, I was expecting because I want to go with you. I was expecting. I I know. I like
1: <laughs> we haven't been together. I know. We need to go. That's you ridiculous. guys. You guys are little Star Wars freaks. I know, and, are, uh, I just want to say. Uh, so it's recorded for everyone. They play a Dungeons and Dragons version of Star Wars. Yeah,
0: <laughs> we do. Fucking awesome. I love it.
1: And I, I do want to say it looks really fucking cool.
0: <laughs> You're gonna
2: be on pretty soon. I right?
1: will be on. Yeah. So uh, check me out um, on you get. There's no way to view this or hear this, but <laughs> check me out at uh, Caleb we'll and Ted's.
2: So we started because you've decided that you don't want to. You don't want to work for Disney. That's clear. Yeah. You did work for a little bit. But how do you plan on using your engineering skills and being creative with that in the future?
1: Um, I, I'm i slowly realizing what I want to do. And I think it is um, probably doing CAD work for entertainment. Uh, what CAD is, for anyone who doesn't know, is computer automated design. Mm. It's when you go on the computer and you make like three-dimensional designs. And... What you do is you take those and you either 3D print them or you CNC it out, uh, cut it out of different materials, and uh, it makes it you know perfect. Whereas if you're going to do it by hand, you're going to have the human in, you know human flaw from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want to do something with CAD work, um, but also just uh, my thing is I can't create something repetitive right okay because i have adhd and i get bored and my mind drones off and i'm like why am i here you Mm -hmm. know um (laughs) one thing that i really like doing and um i actually recently helped um the films some film students build a set for for um a film that they're doing which set um it is. Oh, I forget the movie or the film. Is it for Coopers? It is for Coopers. Oh my
2: gosh! Sixty foot cave. What a monster! Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. So the, I worked on the, the the cave, and you know, um, I our our friend Rose. We we both have a friend. I'm excited Rose. to do that
2: film together.
3: Yeah. By the
1: way, uh, um, check us out. Um, not a sponsor, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> Caleb and I will be in the same film together. It's it's shooting within the next month, mm-hmm. um, and by the time this comes out, it'll be
2: out maybe? I don't know if they would have wrapped in post by the time I don't January know when they it. comes it's around. It's either
0: coming soon or it's already been out. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think it is I think they do a lot of editing in the spring so it might come out in like the okay. summer. Either we were both Scotsmen. So look forward to it. Yes. <laughs> and I'm going to have a big, this big old beard. That's why I'm growing this beard. I normally I don't have a beard this big. Um, people who know me, they're like, no, you always have a beard that big. Um, but I'm growing it out for this film. Um, so, yeah, you helped out with the set. I helped out with the set. Um, they came, you know, I came in and um, I, one thing I really like doing is taking a concept and making it real. I did this in high school. Um, where, you know, we, you look at a design and when, when it comes to theater and film, um, when you have, uh, you know, an art director or a director or whoever is making the decisions, they might not know structurally how that works, but they say, we want it to look this way and here's sort of what we want from this. And so I love taking that and saying what's practical and how is this going to work? How do we organize this so that it it gets done in an efficient way? Okay, um, and so like I was, I had the opportunity to help them out uh, in figuring this out, um, both structurally and um, practically. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because of my experience with, uh, I was a carpenter for two years um, in in high school. I I took woodworking, and I did th- obviously theater sets, um, and my uh, engineering. Um, background uh students i can't say engineering background because i didn't get a degree but my my classes in, in engineering um really helped me figure out structurally how how this is going to work because when you say cave right what
3: it's just what? a big
1: straw right it's a big <laughs> straw but you can't just get a big straw right yeah that just don't exist yeah um and yeah. so i know how are we going to get <laughs> sucked down that giant soda um so i love t- taking it from um point that point to point b so like i like visualizing from conception to you know actuality okay um and saying this is what n- wants to be done and this is how we're going to do it
3: okay
2: um, and you plan on doing this in these Media mediums,
1: right? Exactly. Okay. Now they had sort of a, a, an idea of what they were going to do and how to make it look. Um, and I didn't really help them with um, like, like putting the paint on. I didn't, you know, I didn't dress the set. I was really, I came in um, and did the structural stuff. Okay. Um And in this film, um, it, it they they had to create two two cave tunnels. One of them that sort of wrapped around itself. And the other one was a straight, like it was like a hallway, but the the walls came together. And so it, it closed in on itself, which is really cool. Um, and, and so I, I sat down and they sort of had an idea of how they wanted to do it. But um, I got to sort of make it, first of all, um, more practical, but also cheaper and, um, and, and all that. And I, I love doing that. So I think mm. that's sort of what I want to sort of go into and work on a team that we can take the the dream and make it possible. Hmm. What
0: about like uh like what are they called? Weta? The guys that do well no, they're more special effects. But you know I, there's a whole team of people that do Lord of the Rings all of the mm-hmm. all of the I mean obviously set design but you know, what about, like, building weapons and building armor and all of those... Yeah. Cool, there's, you know, there's there's those little niche... Like, on, on, on YouTube, there's these guys who, you know, they make the lightsabers and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: that sounds like it's up your alley. So, I'm not a big sculptor, and a lot of, like, prop building is is sculpting and being able to sculpt. And um, I, I think I could do uh, props that are, like, assembling things. Um, but that... I think I would enjoy that. I've never, I don't have experience in that. Um, I do hope one day that I, I get to sort of shoot around with, you know, on my own shop where I can do things like that, or maybe get into a position where I can start getting experience in that. Cause it, I've always been drawn to, to stuff like that. Um, but in my experiences, I've been mainly, you know, building like with lumber and and stuff like that uh one of the things i i did in high school was obviously set design but i would also um rig things up uh which i think sort of uh involves sort of my engineering mind where you know a practical effect right so um one of the shows that we did in high school we did mary poppins and there's a scene where the butler comes in the kitchen and breaks everything right and uh you know, we I created um, shelving units that when you know the actor hit hit the wall, the whole thing collapsed. But in the scene, Mary Poppins comes in and she waves her hand and it all gets restored, right? And so I had to create. Uh, Whoa! I had to create different things in in the the scene in the in the set that would not only break on command but come up and restore itself in command on command um what yeah i'll I'll show you i'll show you a video of of one of them after the podcast but that's um, crazy and it's just figuring out okay fishing line here you know like duct tape there and like we're gonna add a hook here and okay well Mm. the actor's gonna have to hold it you know this way and so like when when it breaks, they can drop it and then pick it back up. Mm. And you know, finding those little things, and uh, I think a, a big part of that is, uh, just like what I said, working with the actors and the directors and making sure that you know everyone can use it practically, practically and not break it. because mm-hmm. um, a lot of these these things, uh, especially when it comes to like student uh, theater or like film sets, things are temporary. So like, you have the opportunity to not make it perfect, not you know like if things break that you can you know put some duct tape on there and say, okay, we only got two more runs of this, so just be careful you know mm-hmm. um, So I, I really I mean I think that is such um, the it is the heart of creation with in my experience. Um, it, it is taking a dream and making it possible. I think that's I think that's the coolest thing. Um, hmm. and specifically prop design because that's sort of what you were getting into, uh, and creating um, special effects and stuff like that. I think I would love to get into that. I don't, I don't have um, any any drive to do that right now, but I think I think I will find myself in that. In okay. That space. Yeah.
2: Well, yeah. I'm curious then. What's that? What brings you hope in the world?
1: What brings me? Hope? Oh going existential right here
2: well I mean you know it's very because uh, it seems you have every opportunity from what you' have told me you have every opportunity to feel very lost right now you oh. know as far as like going a degree not finishing it whatever trying to figure out what happens and yet you're keeping a smile on your face so it's making what's keeping you so
1: positive um, that's what's pretty I, I that love hope? that uh, <laughs> I love that because because uh, you know I, I think you know everyone deals with their own stuff and obviously this this is something that I'm dealing with Um, You know, everyone deals with their own things. And what brings me, what brings joy and happiness in my life is the world spinning. Um, I mean, we're getting really existential here. Um, I find love and passion and happiness in observation to sort of go full circle with what what we were talking about. Hmm. You can always observe something new. You can always problem solve something new. You can always find the beauty in something that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked. I, I I now have to bring it up. I grew up Jewish. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Here we go. Come here we go. I yeah. know. I'm very surprised. <laughs> um, for For the viewers at home, if you all if you ever find yourself in a conversation with me, me and Ted. We will bring up the fact that we're Jewish at least once. Yeah. <laughs> at some point. At some point. Um, but um, I grew up in, a, in uh, specifically Reform Judaism, and uh, one of the things that my rabbi um, preached to us was question things because you won't find answers in, unless you question things. And there is a, there's a beauty in the unknown. Your rabbi told you that? Yes. That's rare. Um, or at least I feel like it's rare. This was so, uh, during my, my uh, when I was going through my bar mitzvah, you know, phase and studying the Torah and stuff, um, we would sit down with the, the rabbi every once in a while and sort of have conversations. You know, he was really good about saying, what do you want to talk about? what What's your idea of this religion and, and where you're at? I never grew up you know, 100% believing in God. You know, 100% doing, being, you know, uh, believing in everything encompassed in the Jewish religion. Encompassed, right? Um, I had I grew up with a Jewish mom and a Baptist dad, so like at home, like it it was very much like people are different, uh, and so I, there was always that question. And and when I presented it to to my rabbi, that's sort of what he said. He said, mm. "Question." anything that you don't know because you aren't truly going to believe something until you question it. Because mm-hmm.
0: then you come to your own, you I come to your own no, conclusion. I completely
2: agree with what he said because yeah. that's why I haven't... I love this podcast. I haven't firmly decided what I believe in. I know I believe yeah. in the power
1: of belief, but what do I believe in? I'm not really sure yet. And that's what I'm trying to figure out, I guess. Yeah. And and I mean, like, I wouldn't... Cons- like I Culturally, I'm Jewish. Um, I, I think there's a, a big thing with upholding the the Jewish culture especially because we are we are such a minority but i wouldn't consider my my religion to be Judaism okay um because i am questioning Bless you. everything Sorry, everybody <laughs> yeah 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 um i'm on the same i'm very similar thought yeah i mean it, it is it is Im, Im, so important for someone to to love what they're doing to really come about it themselves, hmm. um, and and that is sort of how I take life. You know, I don't believe in fate per se. I don't believe you know God has a plan for me. You know, like just because I sidestep. So you don't mean, believe no. in prophecy? I don't believe in. Wow! Well, <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Uh, I believe in in one prophecy. <laughs> Um, (laughs) the wine the wine Um, (laughs) no I mean I I don't believe um, specifically like there there is a plan um, but you know I take more comfort in knowing that there's not a plan than there is that oddly me too yeah
0: yeah because that's literally you know even though it has such a bad connotation it's
1: basically nihilism yeah optimistic nihilism I mean, yeah. to go back to improv, like, that is what improv is. You know, like, you don't know what's going to happen. You're going to go out, and you're just going to figure it out.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. Maybe a better way to put it is existentialism because, yeah, you know.
1: Making your own meaning. Making Every, your own everything's meaning. Like, everything's like jazz. Mm-hmm. Mm. Whatever, whatever happens, <laughs> happens, you know? Yeah. Um, no, I mean, but e- exactly. And I think I, I take a lot of happiness in creation. To go back to the central idea of what we were talking about, I'm creating new things every moment that I live. So why would I ever hold on to the things that I've done wrong? You're creating a podcast right now. Creating a podcast, and I'm having a great time, by the way. This has been a great conversation. Yeah, it hasn't. Continue. Sorry to interrupt. <laughs> no, no. I mean, I, I'm pretty much done. I mean, I think you know, I I, I love creation. I love problem solving. I love create i mean just raw you know it doesn't exist now it exists now you know Mm -hmm. it it, it is really there's so much joy that i take from that and i think that's what that keeps me running Hmm. well
0: basically answer the next question then which is what's something that you do regularly Mm -hmm. that brings you hope because you know there's there's i think a better way to start asking this question is what's something that you do that can bring hope to, or, or, or brings hope into the world what do you think what's something that you do that just you know makes nothing, everything a little
1: bit better if there's nothing what i hate you the do? world i don't bring any hope <laughs> yeah um all right so question is not just for me because i sort of talked about that but but for the world and how do i sort of how do you get back? How do you to add? put it in your own words? And yeah. engineering, you said you love,
2: you like taking a dream and making it a reality. So how are you taking your dream and making it a reality?
1: Yeah. So um, sort of to answer both those questions, um, I mean, to go, I mean, I love working with creative people and making their dreams a uh, I I don't. I have an imagination. I have a very physical imagination. So. Um, what I have going on in my head, I'm not specifically saying, oh, I need to create this. Mm -hmm. But if I find someone who is passionate about creating something, I can get really involved with that. And I love doing that and creating that. Mm. Um, But sort of to create for me, and you know, like I, I don't think I have an answer for that. I mean, Mm-hmm. I, I question that all the time mm-hmm. um, I, I have no idea um, what you know what I I do to um, sort of create for me you know mm-hmm.
0: um, but I guess the hope the hope is in creating something you're bringing you know that's what I'm hearing a little bit Like right. in bringing, you might not see the effects of it in front of your eyes but in in bringing things into the world, you, you're bringing some hope. Exactly. Hopefully. I'm I, look. I'm 23.
1: I don't have a worry that I'm not going to be able to create something. You know, hmm. maybe I, maybe in 50 years, I you know I, I might feel a little bit bad that oh I didn't do this, I didn't do that, and this. Um, but as long as you have time on the earth, there are moments and things to be created.
0: Well, that's a good way to. End it off here.
2: That I is a great
1: way to put it. Thank you for coming on today. This is well. Been thank you awesome.
0: for
2: having me. Yeah, this has been just a great overall. I just there was positive energy, but just the idea we talked about. Again, you have so much opportunity to feel lost, but you seem so excited about everything we talked about. Whether it be theater, comedy, yeah. mechanical engineering, working at Disney, and pulling weeds, yeah. <laughs> you had something good about. You had something good to say about everything, and it was awesome. You
0: find it. You find the opportunity, and you find the. The uh what's the meaning? the, the worthwhileness? Yeah, and things, that's
1: what it sounds like. And I do want to say there are some things that don't mean anything. There are some things that might not be the best, and you know, you can do two, one of two things. You can hold on to that and say, "Why did I do that? That was meaningless, that gave nothing and let it ruin other situations. Mm-hmm. Or you can say, that is life."
3: Let's move on. You heard it from Zach. Thank you for listening. Yeah. (laughs)